0: Well, we pick up this morning with last week's passage and where we left off that Jesus was teaching in the temple in Jerusalem at the end of the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles. It's called both things. And our passage begins in verse 31, saying that some of the Jews there in the temple believed in Jesus. And our passage ends in verse 59 with these same people attempting to kill Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that necessarily every single person went the full pendulum swing from believing in Jesus to trying to kill him, but some of them certainly did. Why? (laughs) That's what we're looking at today. See, similar to chapter 6, where Jesus had miraculously fed the 5,000 and they came and flocked to Him, but then He taught them, they all walked away. But here, instead of simply walking away, they are trying to do away with Jesus by stoning Him. And so why? What did Jesus teach in these verses that was so offensive to these people who had started having some measure of belief in Jesus, and yet ended wanting him to be killed at that instant. And so in this passage today, we're going to see that Jesus teaches some hard truths. But these hard truths are necessary because they are what makes the good news so good. So if you would, if you haven't done so already, we're going to be in John chapter 8. Verses 31 through 59. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 59. And let's hear the Word of God. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God Hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Amen. Let us pray. Well, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus came and lived among us and spoke. He spoke the truth. And because we are sinners, we did not listen to it. We pray, O God, today that You would give us ears to hear that truth. Lord, I pray You would use me in spite of my own sin to proclaim the truth, to proclaim Your Word, and to do so faithfully and clearly. And I pray that You would give us ears to hear and open hearts and minds to understand, O God, to know You and Your Word, to receive the truth instead of reject it. Lord, we ask these things for Your glory and in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the big idea from this passage that I want us to, to grab a hold of is that believing in Jesus requires us to accept hard truths about ourselves and others. But believing these hard truths leads to eternal life. And so it's like looking in a mirror and not liking what you see. It's we don't like what we hear From Jesus in this passage. And so I want to highlight three truths that Jesus taught in the passage that day in the temple, showing that they were hard not only for the Jews to believe, but they are also hard for people today to believe. And the first hard truth we see in our passage is that all people are born slaves to sin. That idea comes out in verses 31 and 32, where Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that sounds great, except the Jews took offense to it. They're like, I don't need to be saved from anything. They say, we are the offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, this is another one of those instances where we need to give the opponents of Jesus the benefit of the doubt, they are not referring to never having been enslaved by an earthly power because the whole history of the Jewish people was enslavement. They were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were oppressed by the Midianites. They were taken captive by the Babylonians. And right now, in that moment, they were under the Roman Empire. And so they knew this wasn't about physical slavery, about earthly bondage. They could get that. But they assume he means a slavery to false gods and idols. And so their argument is, we have descended from Abraham, whom God chose. That we are free from these pagan practices of the world, and we worship the one true God. And so these Jews were feeling privileged because of their ancestry, that of all the people in the whole world, they knew the truth about God. They were free from false religion like the Gentiles and the Samaritans over there. And so they proudly state in verse 39, Abraham is our father. And they go a little bit further in verse 41, saying, we have one father, even God. You see, these are Jewish people standing in the holy temple of Jerusalem on a holy feast day. Even if they were subjects to the Roman Empire, they were proud of their pure religion and their right belief. It was something they inherited from their parents and all of their ancestors. But Jesus is thinking about a different kind of slavery than they are. He says in verse 34, everyone who practices sin Is a slave to sin. You see, this enslavement is something else the Jews inherited from their parents. In fact, it is something all people, not just the Jews, inherit from their parents. From our first parents, Adam and Eve, we all inherit a slavery to sin. And that slavery consists of the guilt of sin, which condemns us before a holy God and leaves us in need of forgiveness. And it consists of the power of sin being under its power and we are corrupted by its desires so we can't help but keep on sinning. See, the Jews were so proud of their ancestry to Abraham, they were forgetting their ancestry to Adam. And Jesus exposes this by alluding to the story of Ishmael. He says, The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Like we heard in our Old Testament reading, Ishmael was a natural son of Abraham, but he was born to Hagar, the Egyptian slave woman of Sarah. And when the time came and the true-born son Isaac was born, Ishmael was cast out of the house, even though he could say, I'm a child of Abraham. In the same way, it didn't matter if the Jews were descended from Abraham, if they were circumcised as a sign of belonging to God. It didn't matter if they were even celebrating this holy feast. What they needed was to be set free from sin. That these outward signs of conformity did nothing to break sin's power or atone for sin's guilt. See, just like us today, They didn't want to think that they were enslaved to a power outside their control. It's a hard truth to hear that we are slaves to sin. People today want to believe that we are basically good, that we are free to choose good or evil. But the Bible tells us that we are all slaves to sin. We may not sin as badly as our neighbor over there, our sins may be more subtle, more socially acceptable. They may look self-righteous. But Jesus tells us the hard truth that all people are born slaves to sin. And yet he gives us hope in this hard truth, saying, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. So he shows us this truth that we are enslaved to sin, but there's a second hard truth that follows right on it. They can't even get all that mad about being enslaved to sin because he gets them mad about something else, something else we inherit. Jesus twice says that the Jews in the crowd don't do what Abraham does. They do what their father does. And both times the Jews are like, "Uh, Abraham is our father. What are you talking about? Who, Who are you referring to? And it isn't immediately clear until verse 44 where he says, You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. So though Abraham may be their earthly ancestor, Jesus says the Jews who are now rejecting him are exhibiting the family traits of the devil. As you could probably imagine, this didn't go over well wouldn't go over well today either. And so the second hard truth is that all people inherit the devil's attitude towards God and his truth. Now, we don't like this in large part because we have the wrong idea of what this means. That when we today hear that someone is acting like the devil or as a child of the devil, if we're not thinking about some comedic character talk about the devil... We are probably thinking about horror movies. Our first instinct is to think about demon possession or the occult rituals. Our minds are filled with these horror movie images, but Jesus is not thinking about that kind of evil that we associate with the devil. Because in the Bible, the primary the primary characteristic of the devil is deception. It's deception. Jesus says, about the devil. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil cannot stand the truth. See, when he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, he deceived them. Did God really say that? causing them to doubt God's truth, lead them astray from the truth. When he was trying to tempt Jesus, the devil twisted Scriptures around to get Jesus to disobey His Father. The Apostle Paul, when he writes about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, tells us to pick up the shield of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. Those darts or arrows are the lies of the devil that we defeat by holding on to the truth Our faith in God's truth. And so when Jesus says to these people, your father is the devil, he primarily means you hate the truth. You hate the truth. You reject the truth like he does. It's not that they don't understand it. In verse 43, he asks, why do you not understand what I say? And he answers his own question. He says, it is because you cannot bear To hear my word. It's not that Jesus is too confusing, though we sometimes do find that. It's that they don't want to believe his truth. That's why they reject it. And he's saying that all people inherit the devil's distaste for truth. Now, this disposition towards God and his truth may be expressed in all sorts of different ways. The children of the devil don't all look alike. They don't look like they're dressed up on Halloween. It can look differently. It may be expressed through flagrant disobedience with people rejecting the very idea that God exists and living however they want. You could see it that way. Others may reject God's truth and latch on to an alternative set of moral values like the secular creed we're studying downstairs in adult Sunday school. Still others may be like the Pharisees of Jesus' day who rejected the truth that they were just as sinful as others and prided themselves on their false righteousness. All of those attitudes, though they look wildly different, share the devil's disposition of rejecting God's truth. And so this is a hard truth for people to hear. Because rejecting God's truth is evil. He's saying we are evil in rejecting God's truth. He says in verse 46, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. The implication is, if I were to get up here and lie to you, you'd believe it. They don't want Jesus' truth. They can't, and they can't even prove He's wrong. He asks them, convict me of something. And He's saying, "If, if you can't convict me, then why aren't you listening to me? It's because they don't like what He's saying. And because they don't like what He's saying, they end up in the passage wanting to kill Him further resembling their father, who Jesus says was a murderer from the beginning. Now, you may object and say, technically, the serpent did not murder Adam and Eve. And I would say, technically, you are correct. But he deceived them in such a way that they suffered the consequence of death. That Adam and Eve's descendants would suffer physical death, but even worse, spiritual death that they would be separated from God and under His holy wrath, meaning they were destined for hell. Now that's a hard truth if you've ever heard one. And yet we need to believe this hard truth in order to understand what Jesus saves us from. He came telling us the truth of our own sin not to judge us with a bony finger pointed at us, but to save us from that sin, from death, and from hell. And that brings us to the third hard truth Jesus teaches. And He teaches that all people are without hope if they don't have Him. He says to these people listening, if anyone keeps My word, he will never see death. Notice that Jesus does not say if anyone keeps God's word, you will never see death. Because they'd all agree with that. He says, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And upon hearing this again, not a fan, they said. Totally flabbergasted. They don't like this at all. They argue, hey, Abraham died. Like, yes, he was really old. Like over 200 years old, but he still died. You know who else died? Moses. You know who else died? Everyone else ever. Okay? They died. And yet Jesus is saying if people keep his word, they're not going to die. And so they mockingly ask Are you better and greater than our father Abraham? Are you? Who do you make yourself out to be? And so, in their eyes, they see this untrained rabbi from the back country. And they're like, this guy? How could he be greater than Abraham? How can he make these claims? Jesus just keeps on going, keeps on pushing this hard truth. He says, I'm not making myself out to be anyone, I'm not here to glorify myself. I'm not making myself something I'm not. I'm not recruiting a large following. I'm not taking over the world. I'm just here obeying my Father. I am here honoring my Father. And I am faithful to teach the truth, whether you find it hard to believe or not. He isn't making any grandiose claims about Himself because all the claims are true. They're what His Father has told Him to say. And the truth he's about to say is that he is the promised Messiah that Abraham longed for. Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews, again, thinking he's crazy. You're not even 50, bud. You're a young guy. Abraham lived 2000 years ago. How did Abraham see you? But what Jesus means is that when Abraham held on to God's promises and envisioned what the fulfillment of those promises would be, how his offspring would bless all the nations of the earth, what Abraham was looking for was Jesus. That everything God promised to Abraham found its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. That the joy Abraham took from these promises of God was joy that would ultimately be realized in Jesus. And Jesus then ends by telling them the reason that I am the joy and fulfillment of Abraham's promises, the reason I can keep people from death unlike all the other prophets is because I am God. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus claims to have existed before Abraham. He claims to be the eternally existent God, the great I Am, the giver of life, the creator of everyone and everything. That He is greater than Abraham. He is greater than the prophets. He can give life like no one else could. The Jewish crowd is done. They show us how hard this truth is to accept that Jesus alone is God and gives us life. They react. They pick up stones and they try to execute him for the crime of blasphemy. And while there was some good in them trying to do that, they are doing this out of outrage that even people who were committing blasphemy had a right to be tried by the Jewish courts. And they're like, yeah, we don't need that. We're just going to kill this guy. They were outraged, not just because of what He said about Himself, but because of what He said about them, about their sin, about their father, the devil. They rejected what He said about being able to keep them from seeing death. They didn't like it. And they wanted to kill Him for it. Today, people don't want to hear that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. And they got all sorts of different reasons. Some people would rather not think that deeply about death. About what comes after death. I don't need to worry about that. I'm young. Why would we think about that? Whatever is is. Others would want to believe that there's many paths to eternal life. That Jesus is being a little exclusive here. Couldn't you get to eternal life through some other way? Other people simply believe that Heaven's bouncer isn't that tough that you walk and you stand in line after you die. And they're like, your name's not on the list, but ah, you can go in. There's just some big softy up there who's going to let anybody in no matter what. They would rather believe that we could have eternal life without having to keep his word. And yet what Jesus says is we must keep his word. Now, by keep his word, he does not mean that we have to perfectly obey him. Rather, we keep his word by trusting what he says. Or to use the words of verse 31, we abide in those words. And so we need to trust these hard truths that we are enslaved to sin and we need him to free us. We trust that we are children of the devil by nature. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve hell unless we are born again by the Spirit and made children of God. And we trust that Jesus alone does this. And He does so through His life, His death, His resurrection. We trust that He saves us because He is fully God and fully man. He calls us to repent of our sins and see that He can free us to live as His disciples and love God's truth instead of reject it like the devil. See, these hard truths explain why so many do not believe in Jesus. Because to believe the good news means there's got to be bad news that the good news came to fix. Many, like those in the temple that day, do not believe in what Jesus said, not because they've studied it and found it untrue, not because they have considered all of its claims thoughtfully, many don't believe because they don't want it to be true. They don't like the truth. They reject the truth. But these hard truths are the very things we must believe in order to be saved, to be freed of our sin, to be reconciled to God. And so may the Lord give us ears to hear these truths. And may God open hearts to believe these hard truths that many more might be saved in Jesus Christ and so be freed. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank You for Your Word and Your truth. We confess, oh God, that we are prone to reject Your truth. But we thank You, Lord, for opening our hearts by the Spirit, opening our minds to see Your truth is true. Help us, O God, to love the truth, to hold fast to it. Help us, O Lord, to share the truth with others and to pray fervently that they would believe the truth. May we not get discouraged when others do not believe, when others reject the truth out of hand but may we steadfastly hold to it, abiding in that truth, keeping Your Word, and so sharing that good news with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.